You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Good evening, everyone. Ken Carmen alongside of Nathan Zagura, and we are getting you ready for Thursday night coverage, Friday night coverage, Saturday afternoon coverage, all three days, the 2023 NFL Draft. Nathan, evening, mon frere. Mod Frere, it is great to be with you as always. And listen, from a Browns perspective, we're going to have you covered on Friday and Saturday. But for the NFL, that's right. We're going to give it to you Thursday, Friday, and Saturday this week. The draft is here. Moves yeah. are being made around the league and, and probably more to come. But for the Browns, we know this draft starts at pick number 74. A little unique in that regard that 73 players will have to be chosen before the Browns make a selection unless they make a move. But that's where you're at, and it's because of obviously the acquisition of Deshaun Watson last offseason and then the yeah. acquisition of Elijah Moore this offseason. You know, I like to sit sit around and judge everybody, so I'm going to be having a lot of fun over Friday night judging oh, yeah, everybody we're else. Handing out grades, yeah, no stress. <laughs> judging all the first round picks, and I get to say it in the words of the great Mitch Holtis. It will be live in Kansas City as we get ready for the 2023 <laughs> draft. I'm looking forward to it. A lot happened over the off season, Nathan. A lot of big news for Cleveland Browns fans out there. Some Browns fans would know some of these names that re-signed. Ethan Posick, he re-signed a very nice piece to the offensive line. A great center for the Browns in 2022. A.J. Green, one of your pet cats, one of the guys that everybody is excited about, one of the backup cornerbacks there, Sione Takitaki's back, although he'll probably be back a little bit further on in the 2023 regular season. Jordan Kanashik, he is back. Anthony Walker Jr. is back. And the very, very smart, the very, very steadfast, and an all-around good guy, Joshua Dobbs, is back. Of those players re-signing, can you tell us a little bit about who you're really excited about here, Nathan? Yeah, I think it, it starts, obviously, with Ethan Posick at center. I think last year, you know, the Browns really discovered a gem, and it was through it was through necessity. You know, J.C. Treader left in the offseason. Nick Harris was going to be the starter, won the job. He gets hurt, I think, on the second play of the preseason down in Jacksonville, and Ethan Posick stepped in and played at really an elite level, top five center in the league, you could say. Certainly a pro football focus, that's how he was graded. And so to get him back, to have the continuity of all five starters on your offensive line from a year ago, I think that is massive. Uh, I, I like what A.J. Green brings to the table. Obviously a big taki-taki guy. We'll see how he recovers from that injury. But I also thought getting Anthony Walker back was a big deal. I thought that he was playing at such a high level, and it was so clear when he went out the impact that it had on the defense for the Browns. And so to be able to get him back I thought was a very, very good thing from a leadership standpoint, from an accountability standpoint. Yeah. And then Josh Dobbs. I was sad that he left last year. I, I thought, you know, it was kind of a surprise to me that he ended up outside of our organization, got a chance to start some meaningful games in Tennessee, and to have him back I think is good. But Posick's really the headliner, I think, in terms of the players that have returned for the Cleveland Browns. How did he become such a diamond in the rough? I know not a lot of people know about offensive linemen, so they all kind of become diamonds in the rough in that regard, Nathan. But, man, he was just outstanding for this Browns team after Nick Harris went down in the preseason opener. I would say it's a combination of three things, talent, opportunity, and coaching. So 
Let's not forget, Ethan Posick was a second-round pick coming out of yeah. LSU. So he was obviously, as an interior offensive lineman, your second-round pick, you're held in high regard in terms of what you're capable of. Now, it didn't necessarily work out the way that maybe he wanted to in Seattle, but he comes here, and I've said it uh, once, I've said it a billion times, Bill Callahan makes everybody better. And I think Ethan Posick came in, was willing to take the coaching. He's a, an unbelievable specimen. You've talked to him. I mean, 6'6", six, six, He's huge. He just looks like a giant person. He is a, yeah. And for a center, he's very, very big. But he understands leverage. He's very smart about it. He's, very, uh, he's a workaholic in terms of mastering the techniques, but also understanding every front of defense and every blitz of defense going to bring it us, getting our guys in the right spots. And so Ethan Postick, I think you had a, a great ball of clay in terms of the size, the strength, all of that, the smarts, that combination. And then it was a matter of coming to an, a place where he got great coaching. It all clicked. He had Wyatt on one side, a two-time Pro Bowler, Joel Batonio, who's been you know, to four straight Pro Bowlers to his left. And, and I think he just – it connected for him. Sometimes it takes something like that because when you're a second-round pick, again, the league evaluated you at a very, very high level as a center. And then to be able to finally kind of fulfill that promise, that's what you saw last year. And he said, you know what, I want to do it again. I'm coming back. And obviously great for him, great for the Browns. Also some new additions. Dalvin Tomlinson, very nice piece in the middle. Obo Okoronkwo, the defensive end, already has a Super Bowl ring already with the Los Angeles Rams. Juan Thornhill added as a, as a, as a safety. We'll talk about him coming up here in a moment. Jordan Aikens joins this football team. And then you have Maurice Hurst. I want to talk about him to start things sure. off here, Nathan. As a defensive tackle, a very interesting piece. Very good two years ago, but the last couple of years plagued really marred by injury with Maurice Hurst. If this guy is healthy, what can he do for the Browns' defensive line? He could make the team. I mean, I think that you have a couple of guys, Maurice Hurst and then Tristan Hill is a former second-rounder of the Cowboys. You have uh, players who have flashed at times. And in the case of Hurst, you're right. When he's been on the field, he has been very, very good. He's been injured, obviously, as you mentioned, the last two years. But he was so talented coming out of Michigan, fell in the draft, but whenever he's played, he's played at a high level, played at, honestly, a starting level. That room is wide open, and we can get into that in a little bit if you want to, but Dalvin Tomlinson is the one sure thing right now in that room. The rest of it, in my opinion, is pretty wide open given some of the things that have transpired, and so a guy like Maurice Hurst certainly could play his way onto this football team, and, and I like that they're taking some swings on guys. Hill, for example, Second-round pick, as I mentioned, just like Posick was in Seattle. Didn't work out for him there. Didn't work out in Dallas. Now maybe he has a chance here to be good for the Browns. So taking some gambles there on guys that are high talent, get them into our system, and hopefully they can perform at a high level. But we need that competition in that room. That room is far from settled. Far from settled. And if you're a draft pick this weekend by the Cleveland Browns and you're a defensive tackle, I mean, there's a golden opportunity here. You just said it. I mean, it's a wide-open room right now. Dalvin Tomlinson, yes, a very high-priced, very good out of Minnesota. Jordan Elliott, he was able to show flashes last year. But the rest of it, I mean, there there are open opportunities there at that defensive tackle spot. So we're looking at rookie minicamps, some invitees, obviously some draft picks. We'll see what happens after June 1st and maybe some signings that can be made there. So, you know, defensive tackle, Nathan, and we pay attention to this defense. We we could talk linebackers. We could talk defensive ends, backing up Miles Garrett, obviously on the other side with Oboa Karanquo. But then you also have a couple of safeties as well you might want to look into. But at defensive tackle, a, a really nice opportunity for maybe a name that we're not going to talk about tonight, probably not going to talk about maybe till Friday night or, 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 or Saturday afternoon, I would say, maybe, Nathan. 
Yeah, it would surprise me at all to see them invest in the defensive line. It's quite possible that their first two picks could be on the defensive line. You mentioned safety. I think getting a third safety and somebody who can come play the slot would be high on the list as well. But, yeah, I mean, Dalvin Tomlinson is going to start at one defensive tackle. Yes. Then you've got Jordan Elliott now in the final year of his rookie deal who started for you last year and gave you some good games but didn't really break out maybe like I think people had hoped. You got Perrion Winfrey who – is immensely talented, but his availability is his best ability. And right now yeah, he's we'll dealing see. with some off-the-field stuff. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Last year, you know, we've talked so much about professionalism. Can he be a professional? And if so, he has a chance to capitalize on those great talents. Tommy Togiai has not lived up to his potential so far as a fourth-round pick. And you wonder, he's fighting for a roster spot. We have Hurst. We have Hill. And the one thing I'd point out as well is there could be a draft pick in there. But this is also a position where after June 1st, the Browns will get about $10 million in cap space. It would not at all surprise me to see the Browns, after June 1st, use that money to add a veteran defensive tackle yes, or even sir. a veteran defensive end on a one-year deal who kind of solidifies the whole group. A strong possibility as well. Nathan, in seeing how things worked out last year, you know, this is one of the things I'm going to want to ask Dane Brugler coming up later on as he'll join us from The Athletic, and, and he's their senior draft analyst, and we'll see what he thinks about this draft class and especially at the defensive tackle spot because when we see the Browns' defensive tackles, yeah, last year they had a lot of trouble stopping the run. I mean, as a football team, just so much trouble, Nathan, stopping this, stopping the run. But the Browns weren't the only team. I mean, we looked around the league, 67 different starting quarterbacks throughout the 2022 campaign, all throughout the NFL, and that meant there were a lot of running backs getting opportunities and grinding out four or five yards a pop in certain games, six yards a pop with certain running backs, and it happened to go against us. This was kind of a league-wide problem, so... I, I want I wonder, and we'll ask Dane about this coming up in the next segment. What type of land rush could we be seeing for some of those defensive tackles out there? What type of class could it end up being for one of the defensive tackles? It, it, it's still left to be seen, bud. I think they're going to be pretty good ones, and I think you're going to see a lot of them go in the second round. Uh, Benton from Wisconsin, Mazzy Smith from Michigan. Those are guys that I think the Browns would be very interested in at 74. I just don't think they're going to make it to 74. So True. I do think that there will be some movement at that position, certainly early on Friday and then even throughout the day, night on Thursday. But, yeah, it's it's one of those positions that you're really looking for an interior defensive lineman who can – rush the passer first and foremost. Secondly, then can they make some plays in the backfield? And I think schematically we are going to empower our defensive linemen in under Jim Schwartz to be more north-south, to be making more plays in the backfield, allowing our linebackers to run free and kind of go and make them right. So I think it's going to be more aggressive in terms of our style. That should help. But yet you've got to have the horses to be able to do that. And I think that's why getting, you know, the Browns were in on Javon Hargrave, but being able to pivot from that, being able to get a Dalvin Tomlinson, I think was one of the critical things they did this offseason. And really, you look at the money, that got them Dalvin Tomlinson and Juan Thornhill, who knows a thing or two about going to the Super Bowl and playing the free safety position, which he's done very effectively for the Kansas City Chiefs. I saved your favorite for the last. We know you love wide receiver Marquise yes. Goodwin. It was signed here. I mean, he is a guy who can beat feet no matter where you put him on the field. And then Elijah Moore. You love that move, Nathan. Tell us more about Elijah. Elijah Moore was one of my favorite guys coming out in the draft two years ago. He was one of the Browns' favorite guys coming out in the draft two years ago. And it just didn't line up that they were able to get him. I think had he lingered around to, you know, into the 40s that year, they may have made a move for him. But he ended up being the, the third pick or the second pick that day, 34th overall to the Jets. 
led the SEC in receiving at Ole Miss, really dominated their offense. And last year was a rough year for him. They have not had, he has not had good quarterback play. But if you go back to those final six games of his rookie season, you saw a guy that showed the ability to win inside, win outside, be productive with the ball in his hands after the catch, but also stress, stretch the field vertically. And you go, you look at those games, and in those final six games, six for 67, seven for 84 and two touchdowns, three for 44 and a touchdown, eight for 141 and a touchdown against Miami, four for 46, and then six for 77 and a touchdown. So five touchdowns in his final five games of that rookie campaign. He was over 60 yards in four of those six games, over 75, three times with a one 100-yard game. He has an opportunity as a number two Inside or outside, in conjunction with Donovan Peoples-Jones, we're going to play more 11 personnel, three receivers. I think to be a guy who can beat man, who's one of the most effective man beaters in the league last year, and I think that he, under his rookie contract for two more years, could be a great value and highly productive player for the Cleveland Browns. Outstanding stuff. In just over 15 minutes, Nathan Zagura is going to go one-on-one with Browns general manager Andrew Berry. We'll take a look around the league coming up as well as a big trade finally was consummated today between the Jets and the Packers as Aaron Rodgers is headed to New York for a slew of picks. But that's the price you pay. Was it a good trade on either side? Will it end up being a good trade on either side? We'll talk about that later on. But up next, draft expert Dane Brugler from The Athletics going to join the show live via phone. We'll talk to him about the 2023 draft and who the Browns might be looking at on day two. Pick 74 coming up during this 2023 draft, which will be live Thursday evening from Kansas City. Don't go anywhere. So much more coming. Browns General Manager Andrew Barry, Dane Brugler next on the Cleveland Browns Draft Preview Show on the University Hospitals. Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Draft Preview Show. The Cleveland Browns select. This is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here again, Ken Carmen and Nathan Zagura. For NFL GM signing players, the salary cap keeps things from getting out of hand. Spending limits can also help you when you're gambling. So set a limit before you gamble, then stick to it. Get more tips like this at KeepItFunOhio.com. Browns general manager Andrew Barry coming up here in a little bit. Also, we'll go around the league, but joining us right now because it is draft time, and he is one of our very favorite guests all along the Browns University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Dane Brugler joins us from the Athletic Fall Man on Twitter, at DP Brugler. Dane, thanks for joining us tonight. Of course. Good evening, gentlemen. All right, Dane, separate fact from fiction. Things have gotten pretty nuts here over the last, really over the last five days. Some crazy stuff has been said about C.J. Stroud. I'm seeing Will Levis throw from his knees. Help help us out here. I mean, is Will Levis going to end up going number two? Could, could C.J. Stroud sink like a stone? And if you can during this answer, explain the S2 test, if you will. Yeah, you know, and, and that's become a data point. Um some teams use it. Uh, some teams don't. Um, it, you know, I've talked to teams that have been using it for the last six or seven years, and it's become something that they really trust when it comes to evaluating players, especially quarterbacks. And, and it's uh, you know we've heard of the Wonderlick, and there's some a few other psychological and cognitive tests. It's another data point for teams to try to better understand. Uh, a player's ability to process and so you know some teams rely on it more so than others so it's not like a blanket uh you know thing across the league 
But when you look at Houston at number two, uh, the the 49ers are a team that care very much about the S2 testing. Uh, Brock Purdy tested off the charts. Where do the coaches from uh, you know Houston, where they come from? Uh, D'Amico Ryan's offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick, they come in from San Francisco. And so it, maybe some of that philosophy is coming with them when it comes to the scouting part. And so when you look at the top four quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud's S2 score was not on the same level as, as Bryce Young or uh, Will Levis, who both scored very high. And then uh, Anthony Richardson wasn't too far behind those two guys. So, you know, it's um, – it's at least a data point, something that some teams are looking at very closely. But I think when you still, when you look at the pie chart, you know, what, what teams really care about, most of that pie chart is the tape. And that's where C.J. Stroud is uh, just a well above average. Um, I mean, what he put on tape this year, especially with that final game uh, against Georgia, uh, more than enough. Uh, you know, the last two years, 85 to 12 touchdown interception ratio. Uh, he led FBS last year in 30-plus yard completions with 31. So, you know, this guy, no matter what any test says, he has he checks the box when it comes to tape, and that's what matters the most. So it'll be interesting on, on draft night because beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And I think at number two in Houston, there's a very good chance they decide to go non-quarterback there, whether it's Will Anderson from Alabama, Tyree Wilson, Texas Tech. I think that is looking like the most likely scenario, one of those two players. And then at number three, that's when things really heat up with the Cardinals. They want out of there. They're willing to move. Is it, you know, a team like the Raiders at seven or even a team later on? Could the Titans make that move? Or are we going to see the Colts say, you know, here's a couple third rounders. Let's move up one spot. Let's make sure we get our guy. And who is that guy? Could it be Will Levis? A lot of people around the league think it's Will Levis. Some think Anthony Richardson fits more of that mold of what they could be looking for. And then C.J. Stroud, of course, still sitting there. So Bryce Young at one is about all we can feel pretty confident about at this point. And then two and three is where things should really get a little hectic and honestly a lot of fun. Are you surprised at just how much uncertainty there is this close to the draft? All these things seem to crystallize, and the way that Stroud's fallen, which Ken brought up, and, and, and just with these quarterbacks, it feels like maybe there's just such a variation because nobody really has separated themselves. But are you surprised that it's this chaotic so close? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, first off, the NFL loves it, right? Because that's yep. what we're talking about. We're talking about the intrigue of what could happen. And, you know, gone are the days where Tim Couch signs his seven-year deal uh, two days before the draft. That even happens. You know, this is, they, they want the, the cards close to the vest and let's uh, let, let's wait for the you know, reality show of the draft to play out in real time Thursday night. And so um, not, not too surprised, but when you have these types of quarterbacks, you know, they're all very different what they offer. And you've got several teams in the top 10 who need a quarterback. Um, some of them, you know, are willing to pass on one. And the Texans are really interesting, obviously, because they have that 12th pick and they can move around if they want, uh, which kind of seems like a flawed strategy to get the non-quarterback at two and then move up from 12 to get the quarterback that doesn't I mean common sense says if you like a quarterback enough you take him at two but I think they they just don't feel pressured to go get that guy and they also have two first round picks next year obviously I mean I don't have to tell Browns fans they know that uh so you know I, I think the Texans just don't feel pressured 
take the guy at two if they just don't feel like they, they, they really want to do that, if they want to go with the non-position player there. Um, but, you know, Chris Ballard and the Colts, they're keeping things really close to the vest with what they, which quarterback they uh, covet at number four. And then you have a few teams in the back half of the top ten that conceivably could go get a quarterback. I think the, you could look at the Raiders. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is the short-term starter. Who's the long-term starter? What's that plan? You know, Josh McDaniels from his days in Denver, he was all over the place from drafting Tim Tebow in the first round. He drafted a running back in the first round. I mean, Dave Ziegler, the GM, another Northeast Ohio native. Uh, last year was his first year as a general manager, and he didn't pick until pick 90. So we don't really have a frame of reference for him in terms of what he might be looking for. So a lot of unknown with some of these teams picking early and what they they might look to go after. And honestly, uh, you know, I, from my standpoint, sure, I'd love to get all my picks right in my mock draft, but even more so, I, I want to be entertained on draft night, and it's looking like it's going to be a fun Thursday night as we see it all unfold. Well, the Browns don't pick till Friday night. Dane Brugler joining mm-hmm. us here on the show, and we got to get into the nitty-gritty of that. At pick 74, how do you marry what's off the board after the beginning of Thursday into Friday, need versus position? I think it's an age-old conversation. You're one of the guys who have crossed both sides. Dane, what do you see? Yeah, because, you know, in the first round, especially with those top 15 picks, you know, I, you take the best player, you, you get the guy that uh, is just, you know, because you don't, the roster from year to year, attrition, injuries, you know, it's going to change. And so you take the best player available. But when you're talking about day two, rounds two, rounds three, that's where you're really looking to target specific positions. You want to get better on the defensive line. You want to get better, uh, more, better targets at wide receiver, whatever it is. You know, you, you target those specific positions. And, you know, with the Browns, obviously, you just don't know how those first 70-some uh, picks are going to play out. And, and so it's, uh, it's a waiting game. And, you know, of course they have their board and, um, you know, they're, they're running their own simulations to get a better sense of who could conceivably and realistically be there uh, with that pick. And, and you know, it's, it's tough to do because there's always surprises on draft night. And, you, you know, there might be a player – uh, you think will be there who's gone at pick 40. There might be a player you thought no way is going to fall to you, and turns out he's he's there at 70. And, you know, maybe you even think about moving up a few spots to get one. I, I think there's a good chance we see this team use some of those day three picks to maybe even uh, move up a little bit if they want. I, I, I don't think they use all their day three picks, especially in a draft like this where I think it really falls. Somewhere in that fourth round, I think the talent falls off. Um, not so at every position, but just as a as a general whole, I, I, I do think that their day three is a little bit thin. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, uh, you know, maybe use a fifth or sixth or seventh to try and uh, try and move up a little bit if the right guy is available. Who would that be in your mind? Who would that right guy be? Who's kind of the dream scenario? Somebody that people think might go in the third, second round, early third that could be there at seventy four. Are we talking? Is this like a a Mazzie Smith? Is this a Benton at defensive tackle? Who are you looking kind of in that tackle edge, maybe even safety range that that would be kind of that guy that the Browns might make a move for, or that you'd like to see him make a move for? Yeah, two guys at defensive tackle that I think really stand out uh, as possibilities. Uh, you mentioned one of them, Keanu Benton, 6'3 half, 310 pounds, interchangeable, can play the nose, can play the three. Um, you know, he, he has pass rush potential that we just haven't even seen yet. And he's a young player for a fourth-year senior. He, he's just 21 years old, um, a, a guy that played the nose for the Badgers in their three-man front. But 
uh, you know, watch him at the Senior Bowl, one-on-ones, uh, where you ha- he had a chance to show off that quickness, and he did it at a high level. So Keanu Benton, I think, um, I, now I, I'd be surprised. I think he go, he's somewhere in the top 50, he's going to come off the board. Teams need defensive tackles. Um, the other one, uh, Jervon Dexter from Florida, um, you know, he's more of an upside pick, a guy where you, you see the flashes and it's just like, okay, if our coaches can just turn those flashes into consistency, um, you know, this is a guy that's almost 6'6", 310 pounds, uh, another 21-year-old young player, uh, ran a 4'8", 840, um, you know, a really athletic player. He's got a basketball background. Um, and, you know, when he was, you know, got off the snap uh, uh, with timing, it, it looks really good. He uses those long levers where uh, he's able to push uh, blockers on their heels, create that interior disruption. Uh, but a lot of times the snap uh, anticipation wasn't there. And so that's something he really needs to work on, that get off quickness uh, with the snap. If they did look at safety, um, man, I, I would love to see Quan Martin uh, there. I mean, he's, He's one of my favorite players in the draft at Illinois, 5'11", 195. Uh, they kind of rotated him between single high and, and more of a, a nickel position. Uh, but that, he gives you that versatility. Uh, one of the top athletes at the Combine was a 4'4", 6'40", 44-inch vert, over 11 in the broad. Um, this is a cut-up athlete. Uh, he has range. Uh, he, he's a pretty good tackler. He got better, I think, every single year uh, in terms of uh, running the alley and being more consistent. Um, I, he, he's kind of what I call a 90-10 player. 90, the first 90% you love, uh, the movement skills, the ability to track the football, but that's that last 10% needs to be a better finisher. But um, you know, if somehow he were to fall into round three, that's the type of player I think is worth you know maybe packaging a few day three picks to go up and uh, you know move up five six spots. Make sure you get a, a guy like Quan Martin. Dane, you're so excellent. You're gorgeous. We thank you so much for the time. <laughs> Follow him on Twitter at DP Brugler. Dane Brugler from the Athletic. Thank you, buddy. Anytime. Thanks, guys. The great Dane Brugler, Ohio native from the Athletic, joining us on the hotline. When we come back, Nathan. One-on-one with Browns general manager Andrew Barry. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Draft Preview Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Draft Preview Show. With the first pick. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here again, Ken Carmen and Nathan Zagura. 
Welcome back to the Cleveland Browns Draft Preview Show, all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Very happy now to be joined by the general manager of your Cleveland Browns, Andrew Barry. A.B., an interesting one, right? Last year you didn't pick until the third round, but you didn't know that going into it. This year, you know it going into it. Now things could change, obviously, but how does that change the mindset, if at all, and should people be paying attention to anything Thursday? Or are you going to say, Thursday, just enjoy the show? So it does not change our uh, – first of all, thank you for having me, Nate. But it's great it having does, you. It does not change uh, the mindset for us um, in terms of preparation or approach. Um, we have you know eight picks. They start in the third round today. That could change for the better or for the worse um, before we get to the draft or during the draft. That being said, I think uh, folks can probably go to bed early on Thursday <laughs> night, if I'm guessing. So – for you, in a normal draft, you would be watching for an opportunity to maybe present itself maybe late in the first round on Thursday night, as you said there. Sleep easy for the folks. So what do you, as a general manager of Cleveland Browns, what do you watch for? Yeah, uh, so Thursday night, honestly, it's really about just getting your thoughts organized for Friday. Obviously, you want to see, you're probably more interested in what the board looks like, um, you know, late in the evening. Um you know, there are certain situations where you do have ongoing discussions with veteran player trades because that may come into play in, in day two of the draft. But, you know, honestly, it's it's probably more of a day for, you know, organization, you know, more than anything. And you'll you'll kind of loosely monitor the draft unless you have something active that may happen on Thursday night. Do you do what all of us do, which is to say, oh, man, I really like this guy. And then, oh, gosh, the Ravens drafted him. Or, oh, man, why do you have to go into our division or anything like that? Or Honestly, I, not, not, not usually. Okay. Not usually. Okay. Um, you'll, you'll have that every year. There are a lot of players that you end up liking that you don't have access to. Um, so you, you kind of maybe develop that, uh, um, that resiliency, so to speak, uh, over the course of your career. All right, so Depot told us a story last year that prior to the draft, and I don't know if you guys have done this yet, but that basically everybody was asked of the final draft board, you know, who's somebody on here you absolutely wouldn't draft. And basically it got to the point where, like, nobody was left on the draft board. Yeah. Have you guys done that this year? And no, we usually do that next week. Next week, yeah, okay. We usually All right. do that next week. After the fact, I'll be curious to know if there were some people that actually <laughs> that made it through. that were Because especially when you're looking our board, yes, yeah. like you said in, you know, your press conference last week, you said – yeah, we'll take Will Anderson if he's there at 74. He's not going to yeah. be. So your board is probably different, and everybody that's on your board probably has some strengths, maybe some horse-like tendencies, and maybe there's some goose to them as well because that's why they're in the third round, right? No, that's, that, that's exactly right. So just understanding that – and that happens probably earlier in the, in the draft than people, than people realize. You know, number one, there are no perfect players, and the ones with the, um, the fewest holes, they, they go in the top ten. Um, but it's really about identifying players whose strengths align with um, your system, your scheme, your coaches, and may have a weakness or two that could be developed and brought along throughout their career. Free agency. Now, you went through – it was actually very busy. I mean, there were a lot of people brought back. There were a lot of people added to this roster. When you kind of sit back and look at what you were able to accomplish in that point, which kind of provides the framework, or at least you know where your roster stands going into this draft, what did you think overall of the way that that unfolded for you? You know, we're we're excited about the guys that we had, and and you know, every team is every year. Um, so I don't I don't think we're unique in that regard. Um, you know, we don't know how it'll play out till uh, we get guys on the grass, particularly in the fall. But um, you know, we do think that we were able to solidify a number of different areas on the team, and uh, you know, we're looking forward to seeing how it plays out over the next several months. When you go into it with a certain goal, and, and let's use a theoretical player, maybe who's theoretical defensive tackle, and you see that they end up signing for around twenty-two million a year, and then you look at 
your team and you say, well, now I have for actually a little bit less than that, I've got a defense tackle I like a lot and a free safety that I like a lot. Are those things when you kind of go into it in one path and then you have to pivot and you you'd said we pivoted a little bit on what we we're going to be able to do at safety and I imagine maybe that played a role in that. You know, is it kind of fun when you think, oh, it could have been one guy, but now it's two guys and, and how that breaks down? And then is that something you kind of stay cognizant of as it evolves over the next few years? It's certainly something that you have to stay cognizant of um, both in the moment and as you think through multi-year planning. Um, you know, because, again, when I talk about resource allocation, that's picks and that's like how you allocate your contracts as well. Um, but it, it's it's all plays a role into it. Um, player choice also plays a role into it, you know, Nate. So, like, you know, there have been times in the past where, you know, where maybe we've been, you know, a higher bidder or a comparable bidder, but, you know, taxes, climate, whatever, has pushed a guy or a scheme has pushed a guy another, you know, another direction. And that's the case for all teams. So understanding going into it that you can do a lot of work and you can have, um, you know, certain preferences, but it just it's just never going to go 100% sure. the way that you planned it. How is it playing? Because in some ways, there has to be somewhat of a game of chicken, right? In that you're at the price point that you want. You've decided that's what you want this player to be on your roster at that price point. Their agent's job is to make you probably go above that number for their client's best interest and kind of slow playing it. Because you do, I think you've done a very good job getting who you wanted very, very early. But then as free agency unfolds, and maybe that's when you're able to get better bargains, better deals, also do that, but still be getting premier type players. Is that what What are those? Nego- take it's just behind the curtain what are those negotiations like and, and is that a fun part of your job a stressful part of your job or both you know i i uh i'll be honest i hate free agency like i, I it I, it's, really so, yeah it's 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 uh it's uh it's um the a dance. lot in, yeah it's a lot in a short period of time but it's actually not because of the dealing with you okay. know, with agents or agents or players um i think for us the way we think of the negotiations are we do a lot of work in the you know really that starts right after the trade deadline on free agency trades you name it and i think really negotiation is a lot about what is your best alternative or how you think about your alternatives and that's you know that along with like what we think the value is for the player or the skill set you know drives our pricing but that's where i say like you can't be afraid to to pivot like i think if you get locked into you know, you know, one player or one skill set. That's when you have a greater chance to make mistakes. Um, I guess unless like that's literally like your your only your only alternative. <laughs> sure. But um, so we we really look at it that way. But you can't you just can't be afraid to pivot because you know when one door closes, it may offer offer some flexibility in another area. Um, and there's just kind of more than one way to build a to build a competent team. So you did you enjoy making a trade in that period more than you enjoy the actual free agency process? Probably depends on who I'm making the trade with. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it seemed like a pretty smooth one with the Jets. Yeah, I don't know. No, Joe, Joe's awesome to deal with. Joe, okay. Joe is awesome to deal with. So that, that's that's a good one. That's a good and easy one. Is that always a fun one, too, when you make a trade that you know you can walk to your coaching staff and they're already it, pretty fired it up is. about it? It is. The, the harder ones are when – yeah, the harder ones are when you're not – when you're maybe trading someone away or you know not doing that as much. But the, the, the ones where you know, the staff is excited, obviously it makes it easier to pull the trigger. How much with a guy like Elijah Moore, for example, do you rely on what you guys thought of him coming out of college versus what you saw with the Jets? Uh, for a player as early in Elijah's career as he is, there maybe is a little bit of like the college aspect, but it's largely pro because it, it, it to some degree, it doesn't really matter what 
you thought the player was in college. It's like, how are they performing now? And what are the contextual factors around their performance now? Um, so with Elijah, we felt really good about the skill set that he's shown as a pro, his inside-outside flexibility, his route running and separation skills, as well as his hands. Um, and we think he complements our wide receiver core very nicely. And he's very happy to be here, which yeah. is th those things always seem to be nice. All right, so here we go into this draft. Eight picks. I mean, I, we were doing this, messing around, putting a 53 together. This is a pretty complete team. There are some, obviously, spots for competition. You know, how do you kind of look at those eight guys with an opportunity? If it ends up being eight, could be more, as you've said, could be end up being fewer. How do you kind of look at that and that opportunity to fit into a team that is pretty well assembled at this point? You know, I, I don't think our mentality, or my mentality doesn't really change in that regard because the I best just, guys. As, as much as I like to think things are settled now, it's a little bit like free agency. Like, it, things change. Like, things change. And you always Injuries? Hope they, yes, sure. you always hope they change for the better. Um, but there's usually some mix of, of bad and good in terms of what actually ends up happening. So um, I think we'll know a lot more at the end of August. And, um, you know, our goal is to – look, if, you, if, 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 if we're in a position where we have more players that we want to keep than we can – um, that's a good position to be in because then at you know at that point, if you need to like, that's when you maybe make some of those less popular trades that you know allows you to continue to build into the future. All right, I'm not going to ask you anything about what's going to happen, you know, this week because we'll see it unfold in real time and it'll be joyous. But I will ask you final one here: your favorite draft memory as a member of the Cleveland Browns. First time I made uh, this. No, so I'm thinking, I love it. I don't know if this is the one that's going to count, but honestly, it was 2021 draft, birth of my daughter. So, got to my cap to hit him in the heart right there. <laughs> well done, AB. Yeah. Always a pleasure talking with you. Best of luck this week as you uh, continue to add to the 2023 Cleveland Browns. Okay, appreciate you, Nate. All right, we'll be back with more of the Cleveland Browns draft preview show after this quick timeout on the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Draft Preview Show. The Cleveland Browns select. This is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here again, Ken Carmen and Nathan Zagura. Draft coming to you Thursday night, first round at 8 p.m. We'll be on with you all across University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Then night two. I believe it all starts at 7 o'clock Eastern, rounds 2 and 3, and then 4, 5, and 6, and 7. Mm, yeah, good stuff. It's all there starting Saturday. Nathan will take you home as we get you going for the 2023 draft live from Kansas City, Missouri. Lots going on around the league today. A huge trade, Nathan. has finally culminated as the uh, Jets finally sent a bunch of picks out to the Packers. Now, this is going to be tough, but stay with me here, okay? Packers agreed today to deal quarterback Aaron Rodgers and their 2023 first-round pick. It's number 15. And a 2023 fifth-round pick, number 170, to the Jets for New York's 2023 first-round pick, number 13. And a 2023 second-round pick, number 42. A 2023 sixth-round pick, that is number 207. And a conditional 2024 second-round pick that becomes a first-rounder if Rodgers plays 65% of the plays this season, I have been seeing, which that'll end up being a first-rounder more than likely. I, I've seen two sides to this, and I think they're both kind of silly. One is that the Packers got fleeced. Well, Aaron Rodgers didn't want to play there, and I think they were ready to move on. Okay? So that's one part of it. The other part of it is that people are saying the Jets got fleeced, and I go, 
Well, I mean, if your job is in the hands of Zach Wilson, you go right on ahead. you got to make that move. So I, I feel that you either have the quarterback or you don't have the quarterback. The Jets, we know, they have a good football team. We'll see them on the Hall of Fame game week, and we will see them during the regular season. They are a formidable opponent. Now they have Aaron Rodgers, who is a really, really good quarterback. Nathan, I, I, I think that's the price. The Packers got something back. The Jets got something back, and away they go. I think this is a great trade from the Packers' perspective. You basically get – you swap the ones this year. Now, some people think they did that to make sure they got ahead of the Patriots to get Jackson Smith and Jigba from 13 to 15. You pick up a two this year, a six this year, and then next year likely to be a one bar if, unless Rodgers gets hurt, right? So mm-hmm. I think given – I think Aaron Rodgers saying he wanted to play for the Jets and the way it all went down actually gave the Packers the leverage to get a better deal than people thought they were going to get. I don't think that the Packers got fleeced in this in any way, shape, or form. Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to play for them. So they basically were able to generate leverage, I think due in large part to Aaron Rodgers himself, and get, I think, a pretty good haul here for Aaron Rodgers. Now, from the Jets' perspective, you get Aaron Rodgers, so that's a win. I do think, though, we will look at this trade for the Jets and say, barring at a minimum, an AFC championship appearance, and really I think the ultimate goal is a Super Bowl win, this is not what would not be a successful trade if they don't accomplish that. Well, I, I think that you give, them, you give yourself an opening. I, I, I wonder what the bottom barrel or bottom rung of expectations are. Not hope, but expectations. I, I think that if you're a Jet fan, I'd go, well, you're listening to the Browns, and we thank you very much. But if you were a Jet fan, you'd be sitting there going, well, I guess you've got to look at an AFC championship berth because I, I think it's so hard. And I think Aaron Rodgers knows that, how hard it is to, to go further in the NFL postseason. And Aaron Rodgers has lived that nightmare a bunch of times. Yep. For the Jets, it, again, it's simple. Do you have the quarterback or do you not have the quarterback? Now, I don't know what Lamar Jackson holds. I have no idea what the future is there in Baltimore. We're gonna, I think we might find something out here by Thursday or certainly by this weekend. I, I'm not sure what, what is there. So you look at the realistic options. Uh, still Zach Wilson. A, a quarterback, if you wanted to move up in the draft, you could have, or Aaron Rodgers. Well, I know Aaron Rodgers is good and probably still has a couple of good years left. How good? I, I'm not sure. Probably not MVP, but still pretty good. I, I know that he's really, really good. The, the draft is a bit of a crapshoot, and I just can't put my job on the line for, for Zach Wilson. I, I Nathan, I, I couldn't. No, have. agreed. They had to yeah. make a move at quarterback. They had to do it. They had to do it, and they get, they're able to get Aaron Rodgers. Questions is, was last year a little bit of an anomaly? You know, his completion percentage was down, yards down, touchdowns down. Interceptions were the most that he's thrown since 2010 when he threw 12 last year. To put that in perspective, he had thrown exactly 15 in the prior four season combined, and he threw 12 last year. So yeah. that's something you're wondering about. But, he's, you know, he was the MVP in 20 and 21, so you're just a year removed from that. He will be 40 this season. But yet, you have to have a quarterback to compete, especially in this conference. And now, this is this is probably the most talented conference of quarterbacks that the NFL's ever had. When you think about the guys that are all going to be spinning the ball here in the AFC this year, yeah, there's a ton. I mean, from top to bottom. I mean, the it's AFC South, it's a little bit easier. But I mean, when you think about some of the guys, you still have Trevor Lawrence there, and it looks like he's got fixed by Doug Peterson. So. It, it, it really is a cavalcade of exceptional quarterback play. And we know from last year we went into 2022 thinking it was going to be an incredible season of quarterbacks, and some, some guys rose up, some guys fell apart. Kind of went that way a little bit, so we'll find out here in 2023. Real quick, 
What do you think, if anything happens with Lamar Jackson this week? Do they get out of the week with him still with the Baltimore Ravens? And if so, what do you think he ends up doing? I've said all along, and I would, by the way, be thrilled to be wrong about this, and I'd love to see him go end up in the NFC, but I think he's playing for the Ravens, or he's not playing. I think he's either playing for the Ravens or he's not playing. I don't think he's playing for somebody else. And again, thrilled to be wrong, because it does feel like the landing spot would be in the NFC. And, and by the way, any team in the NFC that makes that move, other than if you're in the NFC East or maybe the West, but even in the West it's possible, you're a favorite to win your division. Certainly in the South. Certainly in the South. And I would well, say a, cert- and in the North. Yeah, I, I've, I've been a fan of Lamar for a long time, but there's he's been incredible. one thing holding me back, and that's obviously that he's the quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. So if they were to send him to the NFC – I would be able to fully embrace him and go and, and hope that his career blossoms from here. But we'll find out later this week because I, I thought for sure that if they're going to make a move, it would happen probably Thursday night, Wednesday night, somewhere in there. So we're about to find out here over the next 48 hours what is exactly going to happen because a- after this, I think that you you take your roughly $33 million and, and you play for the Ravens, and that's still a lot of money, and see what you can do. If you're, yep. if you're Lamar Jackson in that sense. So much more coming up throughout the show. We'll tell you what we think the Browns should do with some of these picks. A bold prediction coming up. And, of course, we'll preview all the draft coverage starting on Thursday night at 8 p.m. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Draft Preview Show on the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Draft Preview Show. The Cleveland Browns select. This is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here again, Ken Carmen and Nathan Zagura. Thursday night, the draft begins 8 p.m. to midnight. Myself, Nathan Zagura, Gerard Cherry. Night two, Friday night, 7 p.m. to noon. No, excuse me, to noon. To midnight, it'll be Nathan Zagura, myself, and Tyvis Powell. And then day three, Saturday, noon Eastern to 4 p.m. It'll be Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. And, of course, we'll have the Cleveland Browns draft review show next Monday, May 1st. Nathan, got to go quick. Do the Browns make more picks on offense or defense this week? I think defense, I think you're pretty set on offense going into this draft. What is a bold prediction, if there is one? My bold prediction right now is not for us, but is that the Texans aren't going to take a quarterback at two, which is wild to me. I think you take as many swings as you can. I think that's wild. But I think for us, I I think we will draft a running back, and I think we will draft a quarterback in this draft. Casario! What are you doing? I know. What are you doing? That would be crazy. Well, yeah. We'd have a lot to talk about in the 8 o'clock hour coming up on Thursday. Yeah. We'll be with you at 8 o'clock on Good Thursday. For us. <laughs> Nathan Segura, Gerard Cherry, and myself. Big thanks, as always, to Meredith Kane, our producer, as well as executive producer Jason Gibbs, doing a wonderful job, as always. I mean, fantastic people they are. Make sure you join us on Thursday at 8 p.m. all throughout the weekend, all along the network. For Nathan Segura, I'm Ken Carmen. Thank you for listening to the Cleveland Browns Draft Preview Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Thanks for listening to the Cleveland Browns Draft Preview Show. The preceding program was a production of the Cleveland Browns and part of the Browns Media Network. The Cleveland Browns Select. Live draft coverage starts Thursday night at 8 on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. 
Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.